Welcome to the Students of Surgery podcast series, where we shed light on common surgical topics. Right, welcome everyone. Um, today we have a pediatric surgeon with us who's Dr. Mari Kirsten, also working at Steve Biko Academic Hospital, who is going to give us a discussion around transferring a neonate. Welcome, Dr. Kirsten. Good morning and thank you very much for the opportunity. What are some of the more common indications to transfer a neonate to a, a surgical um, pediatric unit? The most common causes are bowel obstruction and those we will discuss in the next podcast. But there are other conditions as gastroschisis or a NEC, necrotizing enterocolitis, and, and that are the most common reasons for transport to a surgical. And just as a prelude to the next podcast, what would be some signs of bowel obstructions um, that our listeners would need to, to identify? The signs of bowel obstruction in a newborn baby is the same as in an adult. They would vomit, and depending on what they're vomiting, it will give us an indication of where the obstruction is. They'll have abdominal distension, which can be a problem with the respiratory system then, and then they don't pass stools. And in a neonate, it means they're not passing meconium, and it's important to know that a baby should pass meconium within the first 24 or 48 hours. And if not, then we must look at the reasons for that. Do you have a mnemonic um, that our listeners could use to remember all the, the key points for transferring a neonate? The mnemonic that's commonly used in pediatric surgery all over South Africa is two sides. And each letter stands then for an important topic that you need to look at. The T is for tubes. And we start then with a nasogastric tube. The important thing here is that you don't just put in a nasogastric tube. You've got to put it in and then have it on free drainage. We use a small container to uh, collect the fluid that's draining so that we can measure that and replace it. It's very important to prevent uh, aspiration pneumonia, replace whatever the baby is losing. And what does the W stand for? A newborn baby cannot control their body temperature as an adult. And therefore, you've got to take a lot of care to keep these babies warm and if they cold they'll need more oxygen they'll become acidotic which is a bad sign in their prognosis to keep them warm the first thing is the what would be nice is to have a working transfer incubator unfortunately that's not always available and therefore you need to cover the baby this newborn baby with a space blanket or just aluminium foil and then cover it with a blanket before you put the baby in the incubator if the incubator is not working or doesn't have a, a proper battery to keep the baby warm. Together with that, I've mentioned that uh, if the baby is cold, it's going to use more oxygen. A lot of the surgical condi conditions also require extra oxygen for the baby. So if they need oxygen, you've got to give them oxygen on the way here. If they've got severe uh, abdominal distension, then this would splint the diaphragm and they would struggle to breathe properly. And if you give them some extra oxygen, that would really help. 
and I would think that the S would stand for stabilize. What do you mean by stabilize? You've got to evaluate the baby properly before you transfer. And one of the most important things is that you should check the baby's blood glucose. A low blood glucose can really cause brain damage and a lot of other problems. So make sure that the baby is not hypoglycemic, not hypoxic, and not hypotensive. And all those parameters you need to check on and act on before you transfer the baby. And then intravenous fluids. How do you decide which fluids to give and which volume of fluid do you give? This is a very, very important question. And the answer is, number one, you need to know that in babies, you should calculate the amount of fluids that you are giving. No guessing, no taking an adult formula and just uh, make it fit for a small baby. So I want you to calculate them. The next question, of course, would be how do you calculate it? You need to take into account the age of the baby and the weight of the baby. Now, if you've got a normal baby and you put that baby on the mother's breast immediately after birth, how much fluid do you think that baby would get? The colostrum is about five milliliters the first time. Now you've got a baby with bowel obstruction and you're going to give IV fluids. You can't overload this baby because he doesn't need that much fluid. On day one, you only need 60 milliliters per kg per 24 hours. And as the baby is growing older, day two and three, you will increase that. Those formulas are available. The important thing is you need to calculate and not guess. Then what type of fluid? A newborn baby's kidney function is immature and they cannot tolerate sodium and potassium. So the ideal fluid in the first world would be potassium-free neolite. Unfortunately, that is not always available. And therefore, I suggest that on day one of life, that you give this baby just 5% dextrose. That's the only thing that they need. And you also don't do a UNE on the baby on day one, but because that is the reflection of the mother's kidney function and not of the baby. And then lastly, what does the D and the E stand for? We need some documents. Remember, these are babies. Sometimes the mother can't come with because she had a cesarean section or she hasn't passed the placenta or something like that. You're sending the baby with us. So we need the history. And that history is in the letter that you're going to write us. Please tell us something about the antenatal condition, how the baby was born, what was his upcurse, and what did you find clinically? How did you get to a diagnosis? If you did any special investigations, an x-ray, please send that with. That's the first important document, the history. The second one is we need consent. The baby cannot give consent. If the mother is not here, we need you to send an informed consent. And that is why you're getting all these lectures, not because you are going to do the operations, but because you're going to explain to the mother, your baby's got bowel obstruction, they're going to do a laparotomy. I think your baby's got esophageal atresia, they're going to do a thoracotomy. Maybe your baby's got Hirschsprung's disease, they're going to do a colostomy. So you need to explain that to the mother. But we also need consent for a blood transfusion. And if you think we might do a contrast study, then we need consent for that as well. 
And the letter E? Then of course we can't send the baby alone, you need an escort. And the mother alone is not a good enough escort, so if the mother is coming with, we're glad about that. But we also need a qualified person, not just a porter, to, to uh, transfer the baby to make sure that the IV line is working, that the baby doesn't get hypoxic on the way, that the baby stay nice and warm and get to us in a good condition. Fantastic. Maybe we could run a, an example. If, if you were a surgeon working out in a small peripheral hospital and a neonate had been born there with a bowel obstruction, what would be the measures that you would use to transfer that baby to a pediatric surgery hospital? Firstly, you need to put in a nasogastric tube on free drainage, get IV access, give this baby on day one of life 5% dextrose water. On day three, you can start giving neonatalite and then keep the baby warm. Inform the tertiary hospital that you want to transfer the baby and send with us all the documents that need it. Do you have any concluding remarks concerning a transfer? Transfer is really important. If you transfer a baby, let's say, with an easily treatable disease like small bowel atresia, duodenal atresia, and the baby's got a good prognosis, but you send us a baby that's dehydrated, cold and acidotic, then there's a good chance that this baby will die from a treatable condition. It's really important that you take good care of the baby on the way to the tertiary hospital. Thank you very much for your time today. This edition of the Students of Surgery podcast has been produced by TuxFM. Visit www.tuxfm.co.za for young, fresh and relevant content. That was another edition of the Students of Surgery podcast series, where we shed light on common surgical topics.